0: The Life of Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frisati, a talk by Paul Ellard at the Immaculata Mission School 2017, held at the Launceston Church Grammar School in Tasmania. You know, um, we live in an age where we desperately need authentic heroes. And if ever there was an example of an authentic hero, It's the story of blessed Pier Giorgio Frassati. Pier Giorgio was um, born in Italy, in Turin. You know Turin where the shroud is kept? Well, his body is actually just metres away from where the holy shroud is. He only lived 24 years, died 1925. His feast day is 4th of July and he was beatified in 1990 by uh, Pope John Paul II. Pier Giorgio came from a family that was very wealthy. His father was agnostic, and his father was the founder of La Stampa newspaper, which is still in Italy today. And his father was also an Italian senator and one time ambassador to Germany. So his father was a very influential man. His mother was a painter. Um, she would. they say she would attend Mass on Sunday, but they never saw her go to communion. They never saw her really pray. So a bit of a confusion, where did Pierre Giorgio get this faith from? Because he really didn't have it in his family. And they're not quite sure, but they seem to think it might have been the grandmother. Anyway, he had, had a sister, Luciana. She was 17 months younger. And she married a um, Polish diplomat and um, she has a daughter called Wanda Goronska and she's still alive today. She's in her 80s. But Pierre Giorgio, he he has this wonderful appeal. First of all, he's a great athlete. He had very good stamina. He's good looking. Often when I do these talks, the girls say, oh, who's the spunk? You know, I say, it's a saint. They go, oh, a saint. Um passion for sports. He loved the mountains. He could ski. He loved arts and music. He drove a car and he even smoked little mini Tuscan cigars. Um, He was a great practical joker and uh, he was known by his friends as the Terror. That was his nickname. So you get an idea what he was like. And he founded a Christian association called the Shady Characters Society. But really, he, he was kind of a master of evangelization. He knew how to, how to reach out to people. He was a born leader. He was very politically active in the times. And um, he studied university to get a degree in mining. Um, he wasn't actually very good at his exams. And he actually died before he finished his degree but it was awarded to him afterwards, in fact, in 2001. I first heard about Pier Giorgio um, from a gentleman, a priest actually, who was telling me his story. And he he mentioned that Pier Giorgio's body is incorrupt. Do you know what incorrupt body is? Sometimes when saints die, their body doesn't actually decay. Anyway, this was 2002. I was... um, started researching and looking around and I couldn't find anywhere about this claim that Pier Giorgio's body was, um, was incorrupt. So um, I, I contacted, emailed the head of the Pier Giorgio Association in America. The guy said to me, I've never heard of it. But he said, I'll give you the address of somebody who would know and that's his niece, that's Wanda Gavonska. So I emailed her. She's in Italy. I forgot all about it. Months later, I get this email back, and she says, yes, it's true. She said, Pierre Giorgio's body is incorrupt. It was discovered in 1981 when they opened the tomb. When saints uh, become, the process of canonization starts, they sometimes, they'll take the body out of the grave, put it into a church. And she says, I was there. I'll read you exactly what she said to me. She says, yes, it's true. I was present when they opened the casket in 1981. And he looked beautiful and, like, smiling. Doctors showed they still had elastic skin. They were pinching the skin and still elastic. I do not know what state he is in now as the casket has been opened and reopened several times. Blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so it was true and it sort of it fascinated me in the whole life of Pierre Giorgio. And Pierre Giorgio was very much loved by Pope John Paul II because you remember, John Paul loves the mountains, loves to ski. He had a real connection with Pierre Giorgio. Pierre Giorgio had a really deep spirituality that was based on charity. You think about it. His parents, by the way, nearly divorced. It was a very unhappy marriage. His sister says it was a very unhappy marriage. His father was agnostic. Mother really wasn't. Wasn't really a committed person of faith. So, ha- how does this happen? Well, in 1918, he joined the St. Vincent de Paul Society to serve the sick and the needy. And this is what he used to do. He would go down to the slums of Turin and he, he loved this um, saint. He called himself Brother Jerome after this particular sort of Dominican hero that he liked. And he would go down into the slums. And no one knew he was rich kid Frasati. They just knew he was brother Jerome. They didn't realise that um, he came from such a wealthy family. And he kind of led this double life. And only his sister really knew what he used to do after school and go down and help the sick and the poor. All right, I'll show you some photos. Got lots of photos here. So this is a John Paul's tomb. Now this was before... Vonda Gavanska tells me the story. She said um, the Pope came to Turin, and he came. Actually, came for um, for Don Bosco, who was in the same area. And she said the family got a call saying the Pope wants to come and pray at Pier Giorgio's tomb. He, he wasn't saint or anything in this case, but the Pope knew about Pier Giorgio. So because he wasn't, of, he wasn't even. The canonization process hadn't even begun. The Pope had to come there privately. So he flew in his helicopter, and this is like a little underground room tomb that they have in Italy. So he went down there, and Vonda said to me, he just knelt, put his head down. He said, didn't move for 20 minutes. He just prayed. Anyway, it wasn't long after that that they opened the tomb and discovered that the body behind that wall was incorrupt. At this, even at this point, the Pope didn't know, well... If he knew, he didn't tell anyone less. But it's interesting how the Holy Spirit was prompting him to start this whole process. And um, his body today is, I mentioned, in the Turin Cathedral and it's now in this altar here, underneath here. And that's Pope Francis. Uh, Recently when the Shroud of Turin was on display, Pope Francis went there. The shroud's just sort of down here a little bit. Pope John Paul said... Behold the man of the eight Beatitudes, who bears in himself the grace of the gospel, the good news, the joy of salvation, offered to us by Christ. the, The famous Beatitudes, he calls him the man of the Beatitudes. I love these two photos. It's like he's 16 years old here. And here, this, he's always got this cheeky grin on his face. It wasn't until many years later I saw the full photo, I realized why he's smiling. He's got a girl either side of him, you know. <laughs> Pierre Giorgio says In prayer, the soul rises above life's sadness. He used to have these little gems that he used to share, he shared that with the housemaid, Esther. And and that was the thing about Pierre Giorgio, whenever you met him, you talked to him for 10 minutes, they all said you felt like he was your special friend forever, there was some bond, he had this ability. So when he walked into the hospitals, or anything like this, he would reach out to people, he'd hand out sweets, lollies, he'd gifts, talk to them, and straight away he befriended them. This is the family holiday home in Pologne in 1920s, so... You can imagine, that's, that's a mansion in the 1920s. It's, um, it's still around today. It's n- uh, not quite in that condition, but uh, that's his sister, Pier Giorgio's sister, and that's her later in life. She only just, she lived to 105. She only died 2007. So in, in the year 2000, she was organising with the Pope and the Vatican about Pier Giorgio's body. She was very active right up until her last years. She's actually, in, in Poland, she's actually considered a war hero. She was on the Nazi hit list. Um, she's got a whole story on herself, how she saved Jews from, um, from, uh, from Hitler during the, um, the war years. Now, that's Pierre Giorgio's parents. As I said, they were quite well off, particularly the father. And this is, um, kind of gets you a sense of what Pierre Giorgio would do Amazed, people saw this young man in the streets of Turin helping the poor look for a home, dragging handcarts filled with their household goods. He would enter the most squalid houses and give away all the money he had so that he did not have enough money to take the bus home. So, even though he came from a wealthy family, Pier Giorgio himself didn't really have a lot of money. But what he did have, he would give away. And one way he would kind of give away money is he'd give away his bus fare and he'd walk home. And then he'd be late. And his father used to rule the house with an iron fist. Why are you late? And uh, what used to frustrate him more was Pier Giorgio, in in his house, there's like this railing and he'd sit on the rail and slide down, wouldn't walk down the steps, slide down, fly off at the end and hit him, hit the floor, right? And he'd take a couple of steps and it'd stop. And and his father's getting frustrating. What is he doing? He's already keeping us late, but he's late because he had to walk home and he had to have a shower and he comes down and he stops. And when he gets here, he stops to say grace. Because he knew once he walked into the family room, the family wouldn't be happy about him saying grace. And this is the kind of little things that he did, much to the annoyance of his father. But his father just didn't understand him. You know, how many young people today, their parents don't understand them, you know? It's, it's a classic story. <clears throat> we used to visit the lepers at the hospital of San Lazaro. We came upon a young man, 20 years old, whose face was ravaged by leprosy. Pier Giorgio said, we have the duty of putting our health at the service of those who do not have it, because to act otherwise would be to betray the gift of God and his goodness. It's a very simple spirituality. You know, Sydney World Youth Day, uh, Sydney Archdiocese brought Pier Giorgio's incorrupt body out to World Youth Day, to Sydney. I was very blessed to work in that was my project during World Youth Day. And one girl came up to me and we had all these banners around the, the cathedral quotes of what Pierre Giorgio would say. And she said to me, you know, I've just read all those banners. If that's all it takes to be a saint, I, I think I can do this. It's like Maddie was saying, I can, I can be, I can be that saint. You know, and that's, and I heard that, and I thought, wow, you know, that's, That's why Pierre Giorgio has a way in this this simple life that he lived, yet the Lord preserved his body as though to say, hey guys, look, this was special. You know? The poor and the suffering were his masters, and he was literally their servant, which he considered a privilege. There's a story of Luciana. She gave him 1,000 lira which in those days was a lot of money. So what he did was, he said, I know a bank that gives a 1,000% interest. He split the money into two bits and he went down to the poor and donated it to two, two separate uh, organisations in his sister's name. So there's the humility kicking in. He would buy a dress for a child's baptism. He acted as godfather and helped the husband get a job when he came out of prison. It was the end of World War I, so there were a lot of injured servicemen coming, coming back home. He would help them get reunited with their families, get them back on their feet. He would visit the hospital for the physically and mentally handicapped. And he joined the Dominican lay order, third order. And once they asked him, Pier Giorgio, you know, he goes down to the slums of Turin, and it was pretty, it was on the nose some of these places, right? And they said, "How do you overcome the revulsion at the nauseating smell?" And Pier Giorgio says, "Don't ever forget that even though the house is sordid, you are approaching Christ. He could see Christ in everybody, even those who were smelly and broken." Remember what the Lord said. The good you do to the poor is good done to me. Now get this. This is a line from a 16-year-old kid. All around the sick and all around the poor, I see a special light which we do not have. Wow. Wow. You can write that and meditate on that. That's really profound. Yeah, Giorgio says, We will never be truly Catholic unless we conform our entire lives to two commandments that are essential to the Catholic faith. To love the Lord your God with all your strength and to love our neighbour as ourselves. Heard it before, it's not rocket science. But when you live it, miracles happen. Yeah, Giorgio, he... um, there's lots of photos, hundreds of photos of Pier Giorgio. It's amazing because his, um, his sister was into photography and um, so they just it was a kind of a new thing then. But we've got all these wonderful treasures of, of Pier Giorgio there. He was um, politically active, he stood against fascism and, and Mussolini. He even once got arrested in a, in, a, in a street protest march and he was noisy. <laughs> He <laughs> was noisy. Him and his mates would walk down the street and they'd be singing their heads off and carrying on. People would literally open the, do- the doors and tell them to shut up because they were so loud. They'd come into church and they're just noisy and rowdy. And then Pier Giorgio would go down to the front and he'd go down on his knees. And it just, at that moment, everything changed. He would go into deep prayer. One stage there was candle wax melting. The priest said, I saw it fall on his head. And Pier Giorgio was so steeped in prayer, he wasn't aware. And even one drop actually went down his forehead. And Pier Giorgio is still in that prayer mode. So, you know, we, we can be extroverted, but, you know, when it comes to prayer and that union with the Lord, it's in the silence that, the, that it all happens. I mentioned he studied at um, mining. And the reason, you know the reason he studied mining? He said the miners were the most unhappy people he'd ever met. So he was going into mining to make a difference. <laughs> Just blows you away, doesn't it? Look at this. How many saints do you know where they're sitting here with a hat on and a bottle of vino in their hair, right? <laughs> Pierre Giorgio knew how to party. Huh? There he is again. I love those photos, you know. One of the things we put on that in our demonstration of Pier Giorgio and World Youth Day, the glory of God is man fully alive. Quote from a famous saint. Because Pier Giorgio lived this. He's fully alive. Knew how to party hard, knew how to pray hard. Beneath the smiling exterior of this restless young man was concealed the amazing life of a mystic. Love for Jesus motivated his actions. He was a real practical joker. He, um, when he was in um, boarding school, he got up one morning at three o'clock and he put water in all the breakfast dishes, just plain water. Right? Then rang the bell, everyone to get up for breakfast. Right? And they all stagger down and they "Oh, and they're very tight." And they sit down and what's going on? And Pierre Georgiou is laughing. Ah, it's three o'clock in the morning. It's not six, you know. that's the practical joke here's a magnificent line remember in these days you couldn't receive communion every day he got permission from the bishop to do this he says Jesus comes to me every morning in Holy Communion and I repay him in my very small way by visiting the poor Pierre Giorgio would always be with the ugliest person in the group, the outcast, the one that nobody wanted to be with. When they'd climb the mountain, if somebody was just not very fit like me, I'd be sort of, you know, it would be me, I'd be staggering. He would slow the whole group down to not make that person feel bad. He'd say, oh, hang on, guys, my, my new shoes are hurting or my straps are cutting in. Can we just wait a minute? And people got to realise hey, he's just doing it to, to you know to help the person who's the outcast. And he always travelled um, third class. He was very wealthy. One time he had a chauffeur come. He said, Pier Giorgio, your chauffeur's here. And some of his mates laughed. Oh, what are you talking about? It was true, yeah, he had a chauffeur, yeah, it went out. But he never sort of talked about it, so not many people knew. And they said to him, Pierre Giorgio, why do you always travel third class? He said, because there's no fourth class. When his sister got married, he went out and bought a crucifix. And um, you can imagine, the Frasati family kind of like a bit embarrassed, you know, by somebody a crucifix for their wedding present, or so they thought. So the Frasati family went and bought another present, was the one that everybody saw, but the real present was this crucifix that everyone was a bit ashamed of. His sister wrote years later, she said, Years later, I had to flee Warsaw for the Nazis coming in. She said, The only thing I took was that crucifix. So... Interesting. Oh, now, I mentioned about his father. This is a letter f- from Pier Giorgio's father to his son. This is what he says. You must persuade yourself, dear Giorgio, that life needs to be taken seriously. The way you behave will not do for yourself or your family who care about you and are very distressed by all these things that happen too often and are painfully and monotonously repeated. I have little hope that you will change, although you really need to change immediately. Take things in an orderly way. Always think seriously about what you should do. Have a little perseverance. Sounds like my dad. Do not live by the day as thoughtlessly as any blockhead. If you care a little about your family, you must change. I am very upset. Very, very upset. So that's, um, you can see that uh, his father didn't really understand him at all. And Luciana then wrote this story looking back on all of this. And she writes... But no one tried to know him, not even our mother, at whom Pierre Giorgio looked with great tenderness and perhaps despairing pity. She used to just come to the meal table and sob and cry. and It's really a really tragic story. It never occurred to her, for example, to inquire further into the real reason he came late to meals. He had run home to save the tram money. And arrived so sweaty that he had to change his shirt before he sat down to table to his sorry if i 'm late, Mama," She replied with an approach that basically meant "You are fundamentally good for nothing, so you could at least arrive on time Giorgio 's father wanted his son to take over this huge empire that he'd built. His son wasn't interested, and apart from that, he just wasn't capable. He didn't have the academic performance. His sister, on the other hand, went on to get a law degree. But in those days, the father didn't hand over the empire of the family to, to the sister, to the daughter. So this is why the father felt so frustrated about all of these things. There's some shots of Pierre or Oh, this bicycle. The wonderful story, this bicycle. Hey, he used to ride it everywhere. He used to ride from... Um, Turin to Polone 90 kilometres I drove it and was exhausted he used to ride it on this bicycle all the time and one day it got stolen his favourite bike that he went everywhere with got stolen and how did he react? he just said they probably needed it more than I did he's like detached charity again St Irenaeus, the glory of man, glory of God is man fully alive. And Pier Giorgio is definitely a great example of that. Even any swimmers. That's the only photo we have of Pier Giorgio praying. Pier Giorgio, at 22 years of age, said this. I urge you with all the strength of my soul to approach the Eucharistic table as often as possible. Feed on this bread of angels from which you will draw strength to fight inner struggles, the struggles against the passions and against the adversities, because Jesus Christ has promised to those who feed themselves with the most holy Eucharist eternal life and the necessary graces to obtain it. Simple, yet you can feel his conviction in what he believed at 22. And when you become totally consumed by this Eucharistic fire, we've been talking about fire all week, then you will be able to thank with greater awareness the Lord God who has called you to be part of his flock and you will enjoy peace which those who are happy according to the world have never tasted. Because true happiness, young people, does not consist in pleasures of the world and in earthly things, but in peace of conscience, which you will have only if we have a pure heart and mind. Beautiful stuff. This is a a little place called Europa. It's just outside of Polona. It's up in the mountains. Lovely statue of Our Lady there. Pier Giorgio used to get up and his, the, his family weren't too fussed about him with his faith and going to Mass and what. So, what he used to do was he'd tie a rope around his foot and throw it out the window. And he'd have the maid come and pull it to wake him up early in the morning. He'd get up in the morning, he wouldn't go down the staircase, he'd climb out the window. There was a big tree outside his window. He'd climb out the window, get onto the tree and go down, and then go up to this church 500 metres above. Uh, where he in, in, in altitude where he is, he'd go to Mass and in Rosary and be back by 8.30 in the morning. And no one knew this is what he used to do every morning. That's what you call commitment. By his example, this is Pope uh, John Paul II, by his example he proclaims that a life lived in Christ's spirit, the spirit of the Beatitudes is blessed and that only the person who becomes a man or a woman of the Beatitudes can succeed in communicating love and peace to others. He repeats that it really is worth giving up everything to save the Lord. He testified that holiness is possible for everyone, even Maddie and even me, And that only the revolution of charity can enkindle the hope of a better future in the hearts of people. Okay, his father um, went to Germany. He was the German ambassador. And there's a story about it was freezing cold. It was 12 degrees below zero. Pierre Giorgio had this magnificent coat that you see him wearing there. He came home one day and he wasn't wearing it. His father says, where's your coat? He said, I gave it away. His father hit the roof. What do you mean you gave it away? He said, Dad, I met this guy. He, he, he didn't have a coat. And his father said, Wah. Right? You can imagine what his father said. And he said, but Dad, it was cold. <laughs> and his dad's saying, yes, that's the reason why you shouldn't give it away. But Pierre Giorgio is always thinking of other. He's thinking of other people. His father couldn't understand. Here he is, he's the ambassador. You can imagine there's all flowers all around the, the, the embassy, and his son's taking the flowers out of the vases, right? And what are you doing? He didn't realize he's taking them down to put them on the graves of the poor people. Yeah, it's amazing. All right, every story's got to have a love story. Pierre yeah, Georgie has yeah, got a love story. That's that photo I told you, He's standing between two women, right? Actually, this was the woman he loved, this woman here. But you know what? She never knew it. She never knew that he loved her because she, she wasn't one of the society girls. Anyway, he decided that he really wanted to sort of reach out, but his sister knew a mutual friend. So he tried to say, well, can you arrange something? But he knew that his mother would never approve of this relationship And so he said, what's the point of of destroying one family to build another? Now, today we'd probably say, uh, I'm not sure about that decision, but it was providence because six months later he was to die. But just go through, appreciate the struggle that this poor guy went through. Yesterday evening, this is his sister writing, he came to me with his great black eyes and told me he was in love with the girl that I know. Of course, I said nothing to Mama because it would be the final blow. Poor boy, it was moving to hear him speak. I told him to try not to see her. He told me he'd already tried and added, if I go to the mountain on Sunday, she'll be there too. How can I not go? Should I telephone her, write to her? The poor boy, I looked at him and realised it needed all his goodness, all his uprightness to act that way. And we read that in his own writings, this really was a very, very painful time for him. But he really embraced it. And he hung in there. And he got through to the other side. Well, he came to eternity. We're going to push on a little bit. Um, there's the, having a picnic, Pierre Giorgio and Laura. She never knew he, was, he even liked her until after his death. And a priest wrote this in a book. And Vonda tells me, actually, her family got a bit annoyed, or she got a bit annoyed, because she didn't want to be patronized as, you know, the one not good enough for Pier Giorgio. But um, this is a classic, one of my favorite quotes of Pier Giorgio: "You ask me whether I am cheerful. How could I not be so long as my trust in God gives me strength? We should always be cheerful." Sadness should be banished from all Christian souls. Did you catch that? Let's expand on it. For suffering is a far different thing from sadness, which is the worst disease of all. It is almost always caused by lack of faith. So Pier Giorgio separates sadness from suffering. The purpose for which we have been created shows us the path which we should tread, perhaps strewn with many thorns, but not a sad path, even in the midst of intense suffering, is one of joy. Incredible. All right. The higher we go, the better we shall hear the voice of Christ. Verso alto. Was um, he loved his mountain climbing. There's some shots of his ski gear. I don't think I'd like to ski in those boots, but anyway, that's that's the way they did. We even found photos of Australian stamp collection. How's that? So he was thinking of us. Do you know Pierre Giorgio came to Sydney before he went to Rome, his body? Hey, that's that's really at first. There's his rosary beads. <clears throat> uh, now, what's his secret? I'm going to tell you Pierre Giorgio's spiritual secret. Are you ready for this? This is his best mate talking. I would not hesitate to say that the secret of Pierre Giorgio's spiritual perfection is to be found in his devotion to Mary. A day never passed that did not find him at the feet of his heavenly mother with his rosary, his favourite prayer entwined in his fingers. And you know what? The Sisters of the Immaculate, you reckon they're pretty special? You know why they're special? Because they have the same secret Eucharistic adoration and devotion to Mary. If you want to go to the heights of spirituality, there's the hint. There's the secret, and they're very happy to share it with you this week. Let's push on. Um, my favourite quote, to live without faith, without a patrimony to defend, without a steady struggle for truth, that's not living. But to plod along, we must never plod along. You've got to be passionate, you've got to believe in something and prepared to step out and, and claim it. Be wishy-washy, you know. All right. First alto, you saw that on the fly. What does it mean? It means to the highest. Someone took this photo of Pier Giorgio and he wrote on the back of it, Versa Alto. Little did we know at that time that in a few days he would be dead. So it's become like this motto, Versa Alto. He died 4th of July. One of the members of the Italian Parliament wrote in his book, the best man in the world is dead. And that you can see he's scribbling. His last words scribbled with a paralysed hand. He got polio. From polio that would end his life the next day were instructions to deliver medicines and renew a porn ticket for some of the poor that he helped. And he used to keep meticulous little accounts of all the money that he spent on helping the poor. There was, there was hundreds of them. Anyway, his father died. He, he, when he died, all these people come to the door. One of his father, wanting to see Pierre Giorgio. He uh, say, what's going on? Who are all these people? And his sister says, these are the people he served. These are the people that loved him. So there were thousands in the street. Yeah, there were some politicians and stuff, but most of them were from the slums of Turin. And he rests now here in the cathedral in Turin beatified 1990 I've got to tell you a story oh that's his casket that came to Sydney in uh, 2008 Um, see that Matt it's hanging up in my prayer room (laughs) it's a third class relic okay it's all right I want to show you something before we go oh by the way that's how we brought him in in a flight case red tape. It took all those people to bring that body in because the government said you can't bring an unembalmed body into the country. So we had to get the Rome embassy involved and everything. But anyway, that's another story in itself. I want to share this end with sharing you this story. See this guy in the end? He's called Kevin Becker. Kevin Becker in 2011. He's from Pennsylvania in America. And he was uh, a He was living in this um, rented house and studying at university. And he says, the last thing I remember um, on the 26th of August, 2011, was lying down. That's the last thing he remembered. But somehow he fell from that apartment window four metres to the ground and a friend found him on the ground within 15 minutes. They rushed him to hospital Every lobe in his brain had been damaged, had multiple um, fractures. He was in a coma and they all said, the doctor said, he most likely won't live, almost certainly won't live. And if he does manage to scrape it through, he's not going to be the athlete that he was. He's just, you know, it's going to be really, really bad. So the family were all very distressed. One of the cousins said, Pierre Giorgio needs a miracle and so do we. Here, pray to Pierre Giorgio. Family said, "Who's Pierre Giorgio?" Little prayer card. Show them all. Okay, we're desperate. They started novena, nine days. On the ninth day of the novena, he wakes up. He comes out of a coma. Extraordinary. Within twenty days, he left the hospital. And when he walked out of the hospital, he was kicking a football, soccer, played soccer. And the doctors just said. This is unbelievable. So they're saying it's a miracle. But an interesting dimension to the whole story is when he came out, he said, you know, Mum, when I was um, in that coma, I I met this kind of angel. She said, really? She said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, she said, I, I, I came downstairs in, in my coma state, in, you know, I came down, this isn't the, the dream, I came down, she said, and there was this guy uh, in the lounge room, and I said, who are you? He said, I'm your new flatmate. He says, no, you're not. I got two flatmates, and you're not one of them. He says, I'm Giorgio, introduced himself. Anyway, it's interesting, because Giorgio loved athletes and athletics and all that, so did this guy, right? This guy didn't like his studies, like Pierre Giorgio. Didn't, want, didn't like his studies. Anyway, he kept saying, let's go outside and kick a ball And Pierre George said, no, no, we, we need to stay. You need to stay with me, then later you can go out. And so he would talk to him and he would tell him things. And he, and he encouraged him to do his studies. And um, had this amazing two-way thing. Anyway, he's telling his mum this, right? And his mum goes, his name was Giorgio." He said, yeah. She thinks, so anyway, she shows him this guy. She said, that's him. That's him. That's the guy I saw. She said, do you know who that is? Yeah, I've got no idea. She said, that's blessed Pier Giorgio Frasati. That's the guy we've been doing a novena for for nine days and you wake up on day nine. So he now travels around telling his story in the States and he claims he still occasionally hears Pier Giorgio, giving him advice and stuff. And, he's, and he not only has his physical life changed, but his spirituality has changed. He's deepened his spirituality and he takes his studies now more serious. So that's the life of um, Pierre Giorgio. I hope you've enjoyed it. And God bless you and thank you. That was Paul Ellard with The Life of Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frisardi. For more from the Immaculata Mission School, visit cradio.org.au